0: are continuing.
1: <gasps> and oh no, no! <laughs>
2: Welcome back to Speaking Queerly. We're a podcast hosted by Kaleidoscope Youth Center and LGBTQIA plus youth center located in Columbus, Ohio. Um, We're actually the largest and longest standing organization serving and supporting LGBTQIA plus youth and young adults. Fun fact for those who just <laughs> in for the first time. Um, I'm Mallory. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm the civic engagement and advocacy manager here at KYC.
0: My name is Liam. I use he and they pronouns, and I'm the Director of Center-Based Programming here at KYC.
3: And I'm Daria. I use she, they pronouns, and I'm the Ohio GSA Network Manager at KYC. My name's Lane. I use they, them pronouns, and I'm the Community Education and Research Manager at Walmart. (laughs) I'm just getting.
2: What are you, you doing like here? Thank you for that. <laughs> well, we have a guest here on the podcast, Liam. But before we get into all of these introductions, I just want to, you know, throw out an add-on question. It's spooky season. Mm-hmm. And I want to know, what was your favorite Halloween costume growing up?
0: Oh, geez. I think my favorite, like, I really used to go very classic. Actually, no, I'm going to change it. My favorite one that I did <laughs> was... Um, man from Doug. Whaleman, <laughs> pretty niche. Wow. Uh, that was definitely my favorite.
2: That's wow. good. What? If you don't mind me asking, how old would you have been?
0: So I, I, that's the thing is, that I was not a, a child at this point. Like Forty-five. I was in college. <laughs> <laughs> that is my favorite. Wow. I've done. I used to go really traditional. So I think before it was a lot of like pirate, vampire. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. were like my mm. go-to's. Classic. Yeah. Classic. How about you, Daria?
1: Now I'm going to copy you. When I was little, I think I, I don't even know if it was for Halloween, but I had a little Belle dress and I was like, something about a nice yellow dress. I was like, this is perfect. Um, So I liked Belle. um, But then I think of all time, like two years ago, I was strawberry shortcake for Halloween. And so I really liked that. But those are mine.
2: I had a friend whose dad worked for American Greetings and every year she was strawberry shortcake for like I don't know, <laughs> probably three years or something. So every time I see strawberries and mm-hmm. cake, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Julia. So now I can associate her with so
3: well. uh, In the third grade, we had to do, like, a book fair at school. And so you, like, bring a book and you dress up as the character oh, that you identify with. And so I brought a book about a mermaid, except the mermaid costume that we ordered from Amazon, I think, was, like, way too small. And so the whole day I was walking around school like... <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I'm gonna go with Mary Poppins, hands mm-hmm. down. That's I
0: agree. Yeah,
2: I was Mary Poppins um, when I was like three and four and then when, or five maybe. It was like around kindergarten or first grade that I outgrew that costume that my mom had made, and I was Sully from Monsters, Inc., and
3: I'm
2: pouting. I'm so mad. (laughs) I just wanted to be in the Mary Poppins costume, and then I brought it back in high school, and I I think, like, generally, I have a hard time coming up with Halloween costumes, and I always just default to Mary Poppins, so... (laughs)
0: That's a good one, though. Yeah. I feel like you don't see a lot of Mary Poppins costumes around.
3: Right. And right. I think it's fitting for you. Absolutely.
0: Because <laughs> I'm practically
3: perfect in every way. But... Yep, yep, that's it. Exactly. Just being like somebody who would always have an umbrella.
1: Yeah. And true. a bag full of things. Yes, thank you. Of course. <laughs> All
3: good qualities to have.
2: <laughs> Anyway, um, well, we've got a very special, spooky podcast for you all today. Um, but first, before we get into that, I wanna know a little bit more about you, Liam. I want you to introduce yourself because I feel like every time I would do it, but I definitely wouldn't do it justice if mm-hmm. I tried to introduce you. Because every time that um, I talk to you, I feel like I learned something else about you. And you're not that old, but you've lived <laughs> so many, you've lived so many lives in this lifetime. So tell us a little bit about everything and anything you wanna share.
0: Oh wow. Yeah. Um I so I guess I have I've lived uh many lives at this point. It's really just I've done a lot of different jobs. Mm-hmm. Um and I've had a lot of opportunities through those jobs to do things that I think are really uh non-traditional maybe. Um and yeah, I've always just had a lot of interest in things that I think are like pretty niche, uh, pretty unique for a lot of folks and so Quail man Yeah. Uh-huh. Man, right. Uh, <laughs> Things like
3: juggling. Hold on. (laughs) I'm going to stop you right there. We need a demonstration later. (laughs) Right, yes. Oh, my gosh. Um,
0: Yeah, really, I I think for me, it's just about, like, I want to have as many experiences, get to meet as many people as possible. Um, And so I kind of developed a philosophy of just, like, not turning a lot of things down unless it was something that, you know, really was not true to my core values or, you know, something that maybe just wasn't a good investment of my energy and time. So, um, yeah, I've done kind of a little bit of everything from, like, you know, working fast food service, doing that until 3, 4 in the morning. I've done some ghost hunting. I've oh. done, um, yeah, just, like, a lot of different, different things through my life that I think, yeah, in my 32 years of age... A lot of people don't get to do until much later if at all.
1: So right. and now yeah. you're a, a podcast star.
0: Podcast wow. star. I can add that to my list.
1: <laughs> I, I need to see how long your resume is. <laughs> what is
2: what is the best job you've
1: had? Oh wow. Or
2: maybe maybe best is hard because like, each have their own. <laughs> what is what is the most like fascinating job you've had?
0: Um yeah, I think working probably as far as Fascinating. Um, My time when I was working at an LGBT community center here in Columbus, I really got the opportunity to kind of do a lot of different things. And so it wasn't just one thing that I was working on. It was, um, you know, meeting with folks in the community, working with folks who are currently or formerly incarcerated. Um, Yeah, just had the opportunity to do a lot of a lot of really unique things there. And so that was probably one of the most interesting jobs that I've had. Um, and then, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I think for me, each job is like, there's something new that I can learn from anything that I'm doing. And so I take something different away from each different job that I've had
2: love that. Well, I love your philosophy on, like, not turning down opportunities because it gives you a chance to meet people, you know, yeah. and uh, there's something to learn from everyone. But let's get into something you alluded to earlier, and that is um, some other types of people you've had the
1: opportunity to meet, <laughs> specifically the deceased. <laughs> amazing. Tell us about that. (laughs) (laughs) To start, what got you interested in this ghost hunting in the supernaturally world?
0: Oh, geez. I would say I've probably been interested in, like, the supernatural or, like, you know, things that are um, otherworldly fantasy pretty much always. I think that's something that I was really drawn towards as, like, a younger person, whether it was in, like, elementary school getting introduced to things reading i always wanted to learn and read about you know experiences outside of what i could have here on planet earth or mm-hmm. within this realm um and always really just kind of resonated i think with a lot of a lot of characters who were portrayed as like you know a monster in a story um because i think a lot of the times it is they're they're being othered they're an outcast in society and so for a lot of us queer folks when we're younger too we can really resonate with that especially if we're isolated maybe we're the only person who is out in our school mm-hmm. and we're not able to be out so um i think books and you know the the supernatural was a, a way of escaping that and kind of finding a story that was very parallel finding experiences and feelings that were very similar to what i was having except it was, you know, about vampires and werewolves or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a little more lighthearted, but I could I could see myself reflected in a lot of those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's really where a lot of my supernatural interest started was when I was younger. Um, and ghost hunting, really, <laughs> I think um, I've always enjoyed watching some of the like ghost hunting shows that are on TV. Um, I don't take them too seriously. I've always been a little bit of what I would describe as like the skeptic yeah. in the group. Um, but I think for me, it was really about the experience, and yeah, again, I was like, well i I've never done this. I'd love to do it, and it's something I've been interested in so had the opportunity and decided to just go for it.
1: Mm-hmm. That's so interesting.
0: How how does the opportunity to <laughs> present? Arise. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a really good question. Um, so it was really kind of serendipitous how it started. It was my mentor at my previous job was also really interested in a lot of, you know, supernatural things. And, um... Found out that there were some other folks in the Columbus area and around central Ohio who were in the LGBT community who also had an interest in this. And some of those individuals actually had, like, ghost hunting equipment. You know, those things that they enjoy. As doing. you do. Right. <laughs> all that out of the closet. <laughs> and my mentor, who is an amazing person, and um, she really went, like, full head on into this and kind of co-founded this group called Queer Ghost Hunters with uh, another one of our co-workers at the time. And they essentially kind of created a community space where queer people could gather, we could talk about these things, and give it an opportunity to folks in the community to actually go out and experience these ghost hunts. Um, but the twist that I think really made these kind of experiences stand out compared to you know your standard reality tv show was that we before going to a location we actually did the the history and we did a deep dive into the history to find out who were the queer people and the queer folks who existed in this space especially because when we're thinking about like you know haunted spaces oftentimes those are um you know prisons or formal uh or former um institutions for folks who are experiencing mental health crises and a lot of people were put into those situations in a way that they did not consent to it Mm -hmm. so they were kind of institutionalized or put in these places you know incarcerated because of their LGBT identity so we can actually go back in history and look through records to find out you know are there queer folks who could have existed here you know were they actually incarcerated or institutionalized for that identity, we can we can see that and really honoring those folks by kind of learning about them, trying to compile as much of that history as possible. Um, and we actually were able to work with the Ohio History Connection to kind of provide some of that information to them um, because we really think it's important to be documenting queer folks' history. Mm-hmm. That's something that isn't really done, especially in a lot of these places where you know they're haunted and automatically default to, if it's a ghost, it's a straight ghost, right? (laughs) Right (laughs) It's
2: amazing how like even the supernatural (laughs) assuming heteronormativity, that's that's so fascinating. I love that you're using it as a chance to like capture history and tell those stories. So it's not just like on a whim, you're not just like, oh, there's a spirit here, but like you're learning more about that person and helping to spread, you know, shed light on
0: their story. Well, and I think for a lot of, you know, those reality shows too, they spend so much time almost like antagonizing yeah. the spirits that are there. Um, and, you know, whether or not they truly believe that these spirits exist or if they're just doing this for show, um, you know, I think there's a level of respect that we came with also that you don't see on a lot of shows mm-hmm. where we were really inviting folks to like, you know, come and speak with us. Uh, we want you to be able to share your story. And if you don't want to, that's okay. You know, you do not have to do that. But we're inviting you into this space. Um, I think that's huge because, yeah, I don't want someone walking into my house and then being like, "Hey," screaming at me to 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 interact with them. Like that would probably do the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't want to talk to that person.
1: Right. That's so interesting. And then, of course, them assuming that you're cis and straight, as, you know, every ghost would be. Right, yeah. It's crazy. That's so interesting that you said that, though, because I I had not thought about that in all of the times that I've watched any, like, reality... Because I'm also into, like, watching the reality ghosty things. But I can never really take them seriously. I kind of fall on the, like, scale... I'd say I believe in ghosts. I kind of fall more towards that end, Um, but I would never believe those shows that I watch, you know what I mean? Um, It's just a bunch of dudes, like, it's just a bunch of dudes yelling in the dark, (laughs) you know what I mean? So it's really interesting to get the history, an inclusive history, and then people coming at it with respect. That makes me just, like, more interested in, like, being engaged with that. That's super cool. Mm -hmm. What out of all of those investigations, all of the places you went, what was your favorite?
0: Oh, favorite is so difficult. Um, I have two that really kind of stick out most for myself. The first was we went to a um, former convent. So, like, uh, please wear. N-
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, obviously.
1: I love that. <laughs>
0: This was another, you know, huge story because we, we know historically that there are so many folks who were nuns and they maybe joined because they identified as lesbians or, you know, maybe they felt like they had no other choice. Um, there were even a, there was a term for lesbians within the the convent they actually called relationships particular friends. So oh, there was actual, actual like you know queer coded language that folks would use like oh well that's you know that's my particular friend so
1: that's so tough oh, okay. someone call me a right. particular friend <laughs> <laughs>
0: Like, I think for me, that was great. It's actually been converted now into an art center and an art space. So there are so many queer people who are using space. Um, Wait,
2: where is this?
0: Oh, my gosh. I, I don't want to misspeak, but it's, I think it's in Toledo. So I, feel I will travel check. Yeah, but oh. it is up north. Like but in
2: Ohio. In Ohio, wow.
0: which is really amazing. That's fascinating. Um, so I will fact check that for everything. <laughs> um, we'll include it in the shout notes for those who are yes. reading really that. <laughs> <up. laughs> I love it. Um, so that one was really fantastic just because th- the history was so rich, learning mm-hmm. about the particular friends, learning about, you know, folks who openly identified as queer and were in the convent, which is just amazing to to know that there was a space that we wouldn't really think of as a safe space for folks, but for a lot of people at that time, that was the safest space that they could be themselves, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is really incredible. The second investigation that I would say was, probably one of my favorites, was also kind of about location. Um, so it was the, the Mansfield Reformatory, mm-hmm. is kind of what it, uh, folks know it as. Um, but it was a a prison and also a place where a lot of folks were institutionalized and kind of like forcibly incarcerated there. And so we were able to literally go back and look at records to see folks who had been charged with um you know, crimes that were associated with LGBT folks mm. at the time. And some of this was as early and as recent as the 1970s and 1980s. Mm. Wow. So there were folks who are currently still alive who were incarcerated there or who mm. spent time at uh, Mansfield. And so I think that was really eye-opening just to know, like, there are people who are, are still dealing with the impacts of potentially being incarcerated in a space like that. Um, and then what was really, I think, unique too, we were able to see, you know, in some of the cells where folks had carved their initials or their names, um, you know, with, you know, uh, Liam and, uh, Sean with a heart. Dates that folks were incarcerated. Wow. So That was another kind of just the the resiliency of folks who are dealing with something that is incredibly difficult, especially if you're being incarcerated for your queer identity, um, who were able to find, again, community and a safe space, maybe a a safe person that they could spend time with. Um, So that was, those were, I think, the two that were the most impactful. Um, And then also just really fun experiences of actually going through the spaces Mm -hmm. and seeing them because they are, Beautiful. Both of them are really, like, very historic locations and um, just, the, the it was amazing to be able to go into those spaces and be invited and, and have the opportunity to do something like this.
1: Yeah, that's
3: awesome. That's cool. So when, <laughs> why do you even ask a question? <laughs> so when, or what was the scariest moment while, while queer ghost hunting?
0: Oh, scariest moment was when we were at Mansfield, and we had a a group where we had two teams together. There were five of us, and we were in kind of the largest cell block that they have, which is notoriously one of the most active spaces. So we Active how? Active (laughs) as in ghosts. Oh, okay. (laughs) So we... We went in, and I, we always go in kind of not expecting anything and really just wanting to document and tell the story of this location and the people who were there. And our group went. Now, keep in mind, this is, like, 3 in the morning. There is no one else in this space. We have, a like, a private ghost hunting tour with, you know, with the the location. So they know that we're here. There's only, like, 10 of us in the whole building, So we have it sectioned off. Our group goes over into one wing. There's no way that sound could be transferring over. And split up into two groups. And as we're we're kind of, we have one group who is on like the third level of the the kind of cell block and our group that is on the second level. And we're standing there and we're like, all right, let's take five minutes. We're just gonna go completely silent and, um, you know, see what we can hear. So we're waiting. And I'm down with my group, and we hear our folks upstairs walking. And they're like, all right, well, at any moment, like, just let us know when you're ready. And they're like, we are. We're not moving.
1: Oh.
0: And they thought it was us. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, my God. The footsteps are continuing. <gasps> and
1: so, oh, no. No.
0: <laughs> now we're like, okay, something is going on. And we go back to listen you what's really interesting is because both of us had we had the audio in our group there were three of us and then up they had a video we could go back and play first there are no footsteps on either recording oh, uh- <laughs> The difficult thing is how do you prove something when the evidence is actually that it's not there? Mm-hmm. Right. So you know we can look at and we go back on the video and we can replay the audio and essentially we're talking. We're like, all right, we'll go quiet. It's silence, and then we say, all right, you can be quiet. Like, let us know when you're ready.
2: Wow. So it's
0: like it's difficult because yeah, the absence of evidence is the evidence. Mm-hmm. And so we can't prove anything with that. But that was really the moment where I was like, that's kind of cool. Like, that was really interesting. The fact that you
1: didn't go running out. Yeah. (laughs) I think I'd start (laughs) sobbing. I think
0: I'm so, I would love to have that experience that makes me be like, yes, you know, ghosts or spirits are real. Um, And yeah, respectfully, I also don't want to disturb anyone if they really truly are, so Mm -hmm. I think. Um, that's that fine balance of wanting to know. And also for me, I'm totally happy being in the unknown state Mm -hmm. and just kind of being open to any possibility.
3: I, sorry. No, I, I, every time I open my mouth, y'all laugh. I, you're just so funny. Thanks. (laughs) I think I've had a moment that made me believe in ghosts because I saw one. So can I can tell I, tell your ghost I know story. It's Liam's episode. No, <laughs> we love ghost stories. Well so oh, I've always been obsessed with this hotel in Hot Springs Arkansas called the Arlington. And it's got this really horrid past where like from the beginning the land the the Arlington developers burned down a family motel with like occupants in it. <gasps> oh, wow. Yeah, you might have to edit that out, sorry. But it's <laughs> like the whole town has got just like stuff like this all over the place. And so My sister and I would go daytime ghost hunting because I didn't actually want to see anything. (laughs) And on each floor of the hotel, there's a ballroom at the end of the hallway. And so we were going each floor, floor by floor, looking to see if we could get into one of these ballrooms. And we finally found one that was open on the 11th floor, the top floor. And so I was a little bit ahead of my sister. I said, Molly, look, like this one's open. And so I walk in and I'm in the only entrance or exit to the room. And I see in the far corner of the room there's a guy standing, and he's like looking out the window. And we're kind of you can like see hot springs. Um, And so I'm like, oh, you know, somebody's in here. So I just like kind of back out, and then I'm like, well, Molly, there's somebody in there. And she's like, I don't care. We worked this hard. I've (laughs) followed you around this hotel for an hour now. I want to (laughs) see. And so she goes in there, and he's gone. (gasps) Yeah, that's. See, I'm curious,
2: because this is bringing up a point that I was going to ask Leanne, too, because you described ghost hunting during the day. You're ghost hunting at 3 a.m. Is there some, you know, because I think all of us are like, oh, it's dark out. Oh, we're going to see ghosts. But is there legitimacy to that? Like, do you have to go at night to find ghosts or can they exist any time? Or like, I don't know. I'm just I'm just interested why the darkness is always the factor that people turn toward.
3: Because I got a stigmatism. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
2: <laughs> or like maybe
0: some ghosts are nocturnal I don't know yeah but yeah I, you know I think that anecdotally and granted I am no expert but even just from things that I've seen people always talk about there being more activity during the night hours and you know I think some of that if I were to just make a guess Again, if I was a spirit or ghost, and there are people who are around, I'm probably not going to make my presence quite as known. Uh-huh. When I have the space to myself, maybe that's a time when I can be a little bit more relaxed, Like um, some
3: music, dance, yeah, <laughs> so throw objects. I get crazy. <laughs> yeah, I
0: we definitely I've done some during the day, and I think some of it also is you know part of the the. There's no noise during that time. So, uh, like, it's a little bit easier to kind of keep things very quiet and make sure that you're not hearing, like, cross-contamination cross, uh, cross contamination sound, mm-hmm. essentially, from anything external. So I think that's kind of where I see from the production side it might be useful. Um, also, yeah, the ambiance. It just like, <laughs> it feels more, you know, creepy to be out ghost hunting in the evening hours than, like... 3 p.m. on a Saturday. Sure. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Good point. Good point. Yeah. I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just, I was going to say like anecdotally, I had a phase where I was very into ghosts. And this is like rekindling a whole lot of this, but this would have been like probably sixth grade for me. I was very into ghosts. And you know, you could find all the like real ghost photos and videos on YouTube, mm-hmm. and whatever. And that would be me like coming home from school 3 p.m. on <laughs> a weekday. Yeah. And, like, immersing myself in all this ghost content and, like, forcing my friends to, like, sit there and watch it with me, whether or not they believed. They were believers, (laughs) exactly. Checking out these books from the public library and all that. And I got myself so spooked that this is my ghost story, right? Um, One time I was coming home from swim practice. See, every episode is going to tie swimming. (laughs) Coming home from swim practice and on our way to my parents' house, like, we drive by a cemetery. And it's this old cemetery in Amherst. And there's no, nobody else is, like, being put in the cemetery because it's been full for a long time and you drive by and you know it's pretty innocuous except on this one day there was a guy mowing the lawn oh, and man. he's on one of those riding lawn mowers. he's wearing a white t-shirt and he's you know it's one of those ones that like you stand on you're not like sitting oh, on it yeah. and so he comes up toward the fence which is right by the road and he just like makes a swift turn to like go mow the next row and I see this White figure, right? So like a white shirt, come up and kind of float away. <laughs> <laughs> no context. I scream, just like absolutely shriek. And my mom and brother, with no other context, I didn't say what I thought had happened. The two of them just du- <laughs> they double over in hysterics because they knew immediately I thought it was. <laughs> It was just a guy mowing
1: the lawn I mean unless it was a ghost mowing the lawn it would have been a ghost mowing the lawn you never know is what I want to do with my afterlife <laughs> <laughs> mow my cemetery yeah. oh my goodness what were you gonna say Daria yeah. oh I was just gonna say I when it comes to like ghosts in the morning versus at night um at KYC at least I feel like it doesn't really matter oh. if I'm here alone I feel a little spooky scared. <laughs> Um, so if anyone doesn't know, if you're not one of our regular youth here, um, I'm not privy to to ghost hunting knowledge, but I think the vibes are a little off. Um, we might, may or may not have a KYC ghost. It's kind of a little like joke, or oh maybe I shouldn't say joke.
3: Um it's anger it.
1: (laughs) It's kind of a little thought, perhaps, that we have a KYC ghost. There's a rumor going around that it's Liam. Um <laughs> but there have been some times I've come in the mornings like to drop stuff off or I just get in early and I'm the only one here. And I immediately turn the lights on. Cause again, like scary yeah. ghosts can't come out when the lights are on. Um, but the amount of times I've been like down in the living room area and I just hear somebody like walking upstairs or what sounds like footsteps. And it's not just like one little like creak cause it's an old building. You know what I mean? It's like consistent. I hate being here alone. This morning, Mallory texted me and was like, hey, running late, be there soon. And I'm like, I'm the only one here, don't worry about it. And I still sat in my car. (laughs) I did come in eventually. And then immediately after I got in, I was eating my bagel and Lane was sitting on the couch in our office and I got a little spooked. I thought it might be the ghost again. Um, So I don't know if I believe in the KYC ghost, but... um... It spells out all of this evidence.
3: (laughs) I don't know if I believe in it. I don't know. I don't know what it wants to hear. So <laughs> I firmly believe in the KYC ghost because I was here on a Saturday one time raiding the staff for refrigerator <laughs> for a reason. Like there was something I needed to get out of there. Oh, Yes. <laughs> um, as I was putting things back in the fridge, it was like a ha- like a a tower of Tupperware. I, all of a sudden, I hear like adult human man sounding footsteps running towards me. Aww. Yeah. Mm. And so you best believe that I, like, hauled <laughs> <all laughs> out of here. I was like, I don't need anything for this building. I'm so sorry. So now every every time I come in the building and I'm the only one here, I say, good morning, KYC ghost. <laughs> I should start doing that. I, okay, I'll start doing that. Maybe I'll feel better. I do the same thing with AI. I'm like, hey, are, do you have the capacity to help me answer this question right now? <laughs> Please and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, I don't know if I have any KYC ghost stories. I'm not going to lie. I don't know if that's because I'm not, like, willing to accept that. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because I think I'm just kind of like, I don't have the time or energy to be afraid of you right now. (laughs) It's not going to, like, seek you out. But am I missing out on a good relationship with a person that I could be communicating with when I'm here?
1: Maybe you are. Maybe we need to look up the queer history of this building before it was a queer
3: youth center. Well, you know, the kaleidoscope was a queer convent. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was a lot. Us. <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, I so
2: one thing that I speaking of, like you know, queer ghost hunting, queer center, whatever. Like you know, we often get people asking us, like, how do I make queer friends? How do I find friends or like make that community, especially outside of KYC
3: Confirm and with other worlds,
2: I, right? You can. <laughs> touch base with the supernatural. (laughs) No, but like in the absence of spaces like KYC or like Instagram, TikTok, whatever, like I think it's so fascinating that you were able to find a group of queer ghost hunters and find that community there. And so I want to know a little bit more about like, you know, How those, you know, how that connection was formed, like why it was special that you had like a queer group of ghost hunters as opposed to just like, you know, anybody wants to join. And, you know, what are ways that maybe youth who are interested in ghost hunting or whatever can kind of help find that community themselves?
0: Yeah, you know, I think... If you are looking for a space like this, um, and I'll say queer ghost hunting is very niche, so I cannot cannot guarantee that you're going to find that specific of a space. Um, but I definitely recommend, you know, reaching out and check and see, are there local LGBT community centers around you? Especially if you're a young person, do they have a youth specific program or is there a youth building kind of like kaleidoscope that you can go to? Um the the folks who came together for queer ghost hunting it really was a a group of people who were looking for mostly that community space um and this was all ages so we had folks who were in their 20s all the way up to i think probably our oldest ghost hunter was like in their 50s um and i think we've even had people go who've been in their like 60s and later and so that is a really amazing way of meeting you know People across all different generations and especially when we're talking about queer community and queer history, there is so much that we can learn from our queer elders mm-hmm. in the community. So definitely don't discredit a space where maybe you might be the young, youngest person there. Um, you know, still go, take that opportunity, talk with the people who are there. Chances are they're gonna be so excited to meet you and like get to know someone who is younger and Um, Especially if you're meeting with folks who are elders in the community, there's a a sense of isolation that comes with that, too. Really similar to being the only young queer person in your school, sometimes you might be the only elder queer person in your space. And so, uh, you know, checking out different community groups that you can go to, I think, is huge online also i think is a great way of trying to find folks who are local um and especially people that you can meet up with like in person uh if you are a younger person make sure you're getting consent from your parents and that you are doing so safely online safety is super important Mm -hmm. um but particularly you know if you can find that in-person community space that i think makes a huge difference to be able to meet with people hear about their experiences and um, you know, get the chance to go out and do something. I know there are a lot of queer hiking groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There are things, and they, they have accessible hikes that are open to everyone. So uh, there's a queer crafting and sewing group. I know that even here in Columbus, we have uh, groups like that. So check out different spaces. You you never know. Maybe you might find a new hobby or something that you didn't even think that you would enjoy. Yeah. Um, yeah, just try out some new experiences and you never know what kind of community you'll find and the type of people that you'll meet at those spaces.
2: Mm -hmm. Definitely. I love that. And I love how you highlighted like the importance of intergenerational queer friendships because it's true. Like there's so much that we can learn from those older than us, like just generally and those younger than us. But when you have that shared, just like, experience that shared understanding of like what it's like to exist as a queer person whether in this life lifetime or a past lifetime right you know there's just a depth that you don't get from just any other, any old grandparent <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah and, um I had the the kind of honor of also getting to at this this time work with a group called the Trailblazers which is a group for um, elders in the community who identifies LGBT and it's incredible to get to hear stories from you know all across the spectrum of people who maybe have been out since 1950 1960 mm-hmm. and then also folks who are you know maybe lived in a marriage and then at 86 came out for the mm-hmm. first time you know those are the stories that I think are absolutely so incredible and would I would have never had the opportunity to meet those people if I did go a little outside of my comfort zone and Um, you know, volunteer to be in a space with all people who are, you know, 50 plus years older than me. Um, And it was absolutely amazing. So yes, I cannot stress and highlight intergenerational queer relationships. Um, You know, being able to have a friend and someone who has just a little bit more life experience, someone that, again, like you said, we can learn from each other too. It's not that I'm just learning from them, but it's it's a reciprocal kind of relationship.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and something that I've learned from talking to like other queer elders is just how radical they were. I think it's very yeah. awesome for like us as young people, like Gen Z, to be like, oh yeah, boomers, okay, boomer, whatever. Um, but you hear some of their stories, and it's like. You know, in some ways, it's cool because it's like, wow, you were fighting the same fight as me. And then at the same time, it's like, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe we've been fighting this fight <laughs> for so long. Oh, um, but to hear kind of like their stories and approach and just how radical just their existence was um, when they were maybe closer to our age is just incredible. So mm-hmm. I cannot recommend it enough. And thanks for shedding some light on that as well, Liam.
0: Absolutely.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, before we wrap up, I want to know, is there a way that people can watch any episodes of the Weirdness? Yeah. <laughs>
0: So actually you can watch Queer Ghost Hunters. It's on YouTube. Um, I'm only in a few episodes uh, before it was kind of transitioned into um, some different folks. Uh, So I was really involved before the YouTube series kind of got started, but there are a few episodes on there if you're interested in watching. Um, I will say there is some swearing, so content (laughs) warning uh, to just be aware of that I recommend you are just um, just keep that in mind. A little bit of swearing language content, um, and also just a, g- a general content warning. I think sometimes when we talk about you know queer history, there we are frequently talking about subjects around transphobia, homophobia. Mm-hmm. Um, so always take care of yourself mm-hmm. and make sure that you've got a good support system. If you are in any kind of like um, you know crisis, or you just want to talk to someone after seeing something.
2: Yeah, thank you. Well, I, I know I'll be checking PSA? that out. Yeah, I will be checking that out I hope others do too, because yeah, I, I love how it's just, you know, tying into history as well. And thank you for being on to to share your experiences and hopefully pique the interest of those who are listening.
0: Anytime.
3: <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. If you want to stay in the loop with all things KYC, feel free to follow us everywhere at KYC Ohio or check out our website, www.kycohio.org. If you wanna support us in all of our future endeavors and you feel inclined to donate, you can do that online at kycohio.org donate. And lastly, we always wanna hear from you, so if you have any questions or any podcast topics you'd like us to cover, feel free to email Mallory at mallory at kycohio.org.
2: Awesome, thanks so much for tuning in and have a very safe and happy Halloween. And
1: spooky!